Uh, we're going to be in Genesis. We've been in a series called You Lost Me At. And uh, last week we were talking about creation. Sometimes we get lost in creation. Today I, I think we're going to talk a little bit more about sometimes we get lost. Sometimes we get lost. So Genesis 12 is where we're going to hang out. But first, uh, you know, I have three kids. I'm eight years into this parenting journey, and I've learned a few things. Um, teach your kid how to use a pocket knife before you give it to them. <laughs> Don't give a treat to one of your kids without the other ones because they can smell sugar <laughs> on each other. They just hunt it out like it's, they just love sugar. And then there's a reason that kids' dinnerware is plastic <laughs> and not glass. Because glass shatters, right? It shatters. And we've made this mistake before. And you're like, everybody stop. Like, how did this glass get everywhere? Like, nobody move, or else we're going to have blood and ambulances, and people are going to be questioning our parenting, and kids are going to be, it's going to be a mess. Like, nobody move. Like, where do you start when the glass shatters and it's everywhere? One of the things that always gets me when I start reading through Genesis is how quickly things unravel. It just, it goes everywhere. In Genesis 6, it says this, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. That sounds like parenting a four-year-old. <laughs> every inclination of the heart, only evil all the time. It just, it's just, just great unraveling of humanity into sinfulness. Are, are we any different? I mean, if, you're, if we're really honest, Sometimes we pick up the pieces of our lives and sometimes it just feels like it just shatters. And the good news that we find in Genesis 12 is that God starts to wade into the mess, slowly stepping around the broken shards of glass that have been created into the story. He doesn't leave us there to pick up the pieces on our own. I would have left. Peace! <laughs> I'm going to Mars. I'm going to start a new humanity on another planet. Project failure. But God doesn't. As you read through Genesis, God doesn't. It's like annoyingly, he just keeps walking with faithless people that just shatter the glass all over the place. He wades in. And his mission, and it's the same today as it was then, God redeems and restores through specific people. And here, in, in the story of Genesis, it's like the first 11 chapters is kind of like this, this zoomed out lens, and then it's like zooming in to the story of Abraham, and he's like, watch how I work through this specific person. Have you heard of Father Abraham? Yeah, Father Abraham had many sons and daughters. 
You are one of them. So am I. Abraham and Sarah, you know, it's, if you have followed along in the journey, if you've been reading through Genesis, um, as you read through this journal, you'll see that Abraham and Sarah, they're older in age. God's like perfect. He's <laughs> 75 years old, no kids. All right, I can work with that. Every inclination is evil all the time, but Abraham, I can work with him. And he selects Abraham and Sarah. Now, their names change. I'll let you look up why their names change on your own. I'll let you do a little bit of investigating there. But Abraham and Sarah, right here in the story, it's Abram and Sarai. Their names change. Abraham had issues, man. If you read the story, it's not like Abraham had it all figured out. He actually... Um, He's traveling through Egypt, and he's like, you know, I kind of want to save my life. So he gives them his wife. Talk about you have marriage problems. <laughs> Every stage of the story, Abraham, we see his humanness. And I just can't help but think, like, who would write, like, a, a creation story where your leading characters are just filled with doubt and complications and sin? It just brings me back to, like, man, God's faithfulness in the story, and it's the same God working in our lives as it were, was working in the time of Abraham. It's the same God. And he says this, Genesis 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we've heard of Abraham. This is true. This, this promise, God fulfills it. All of the major religions in our world come from Father Abraham. God answers this promise. So Abraham departed as the Lord had instructed, and Lot, his nephew, went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. We're going to talk a little bit about calling and commitment today. I think that that's what we're, we're going to focus in, and that's, there's so much we can get in this story, but I want to talk about calling, and then just for a moment, I want to talk for, for commitment, and that's how we're going to spend our time today. But this thing, calling, is kind of confusing to us. We hear people talk about it all the time. I'm looking for my calling. I want to find my calling. I feel God called me to this. I feel like God definitely did not call me to that. We talk about calling a lot, but we often talk about it in terms of a job or career. Notice here in this part of the story, God was not calling Abraham to a vocation. He was calling him to a vision. In the same way, God often does not call you to a specific job or career. He calls you to a specific vision. I'm going to say it one more time. God does not call you to vocation. God calls you to a vision. Because jobs change. 
But the vision that God gives us, he's like, run after it. Run after it. Eugene Peterson says it this way, to follow Jesus implies that we enter into a way of life that is given character and shape and direction by the one who calls us. A way of life, a vision of living. But there's this tension there because God made us in his image specifically, but he also created the world. And he reaches in and deals with the family of Abraham, but there's also other people. It's bigger than just Abraham. There's this old Hasidic story where everyone is commanded to wear a coat with two pockets. And in one pocket, says a note that you pull out, it says you're nothing but one of millions upon millions of grains of sand in the universe. You're just one of millions. Don't forget that. In the other pocket, I made the universe just for you. It's like I tell my kids often, you were created by God, but I also have to tell them, clean your room. (laughs) There's this tension in the story. You see it that God called all people, but he's also specifically working through Abraham. And then we see this. It's actually the last word of that verse we just looked at. Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran. Now, in Hebrew, the word Haran means crossroads. And we tend to just skip over that. It's, it's lost in translation. Have you ever been at a crossroads in your life? You feel like the God of the universe has blessed you. He's there. He's with you. He's specific. What am I? I'm at a crossroads. Yeah, I'm at crossroads constantly looking for God. And this has to be the starting place for calling. Because if we don't recognize our need for God, if we don't recognize that we're in some ways inept at figuring out the shattered glass on our own, then we won't look to God to call us. We'll just try to do it on our own. I've been there. I'll just try to do it on my own. And then I realize just how awful I am at picking up the pieces myself. You know, it's interesting to me. Jesus says the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Jesus was needy. He looked out at the world. He said, I can't do this by myself. I can only do what the father shows me and reveals me. And if Jesus is needy, I would say that you and I are probably not capable of doing it ourselves either. And that is the starting place of calling. If you don't come to that conclusion, there's the rest of the conversation, just tune it out. (laughs) We need God. We're at a crossroads. I'm incapable of doing it on my own. I need God. That's the first step in discovering our calling. For Abraham, he was at a crossroads. Seeking, needing That's a recipe for trust and faith. So, three stages of a calling. Let's talk about calling for a second. I'm going to talk about these three stages. Calling from, calling with, and calling to. Calling from, calling with, and calling to. Because I think you'll find, just as I have, when we're discovering our calling, there are three stages that happen again and again and again. Sometimes they all happen at once. 
Sometimes they happen over long seasons of time in our life. And these are the three stages. And if you read the story of Abraham, you see that he went in stages. My translation says he went in stages, and I love that, because it's different stages of our journey and of our calling. And the first one is calling from. He says, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family. Leave. Before I can call you to something, I need you to leave. So often I find myself holding on. And God says, let that go. Are you holding on to alcohol? Are you holding on to doubt? Are you holding on to the past? Are you trying to control? Are you holding on to a sin? Like, some of, some of us in the room need to hear that God is calling you from something. God is calling us from something at times because it means coming out of your comfort zone. The famous theologian Ted Lasso says, taking on a challenge... <laughs> Taking on a challenge is a lot like riding a horse. If you're comfortable while you're doing it, you're probably doing it wrong. <laughs> when we're embracing a calling, and I believe that God has a calling for you. When we're embracing a calling, it's going to require you to step out of your comfort zone. It's going to require you to let go of things that you probably have gotten very familiar with. I think the opposite of faith, a lot of times we talk about the opposite of faith is fear. I think the opposite of faith is often familiarity. I am familiar. I am comfortable. And then God comes in and he says, no, before I give you the rest of the story, I need you to let go of that. The famous ethicist John Kavanaugh went to Calcutta on the spiritual journey, hoping to meet Mother Teresa. So he traveled thousands of miles, and he got to Calcutta, and he, the first morning, he meets Mother Teresa. And a perfect Mother Teresa way, she says, what can I do for you? He says, pray for me. She said, what do you want me to pray for? And he explained the travel and this journey that he was on. He was trying to get some enlightenment. And he says, pray that I have clarity. Mother Teresa said, no, I will not do that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? She said, clarity is the last thing you're clinging to and you must let go of. So he said, you always seem to have clarity. And she laughed at him. And she said, I have never had clarity. What I've always had in those moments is trust. Let go. What are you still clinging on to? For some of us, God is calling us from something, calling us to trust in him and to let go. Occasionally, my kids will get stuck on the monkey bars, and I'll be like, I'm right here. I'm right here. Dad, dad, you know, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall. It's like that far. You know, like, you're fine, but I'm right here. 
And then, like, let go, I'll catch you. Let go, I'll catch you. But it requires a lot of trust to take your hands off the monkey bars. Let the Father embrace you. Calling from. The second piece is calling with. The Lord said to Abraham, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will, I will, I will, I will. It's like God's just on repeat. Me, 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 me. See, we tend to go from calling from to calling to, and we miss the middle stage. Calling with. God wants nothing more than a relationship with you. Anyone love to drive? I love to drive because I can control the speed. <laughs> I can control what we're listening to in the car. I control where we're going. What route? I like to go different routes to get to places because I'm an Enneagram 4, so it's like the most creative way possible. My wife hates it. She's like, let me drive. <laughs> but control is an enemy of the spiritual life. We are trained to seek control in our culture. Control it, control it, control it. But a calling with God is letting go of control. It's the same reason I like a remote. Dad gets the remote. I get to choose the show. I get to decide that we're watching football today, even if you do want to watch Bluey. I don't care. I'm a good father. Some of you are judging me. And Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. And God will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom of God above all. Seek to be with your Father. He says it another way. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. And then this, I love this line. For apart from me, you can do Nothing. Apart from God, we can do nothing. Nothing. This morning, almost like God was just speaking to me, I flipped open my Bible to Psalm 27 and this verse that has been ringing in my head for weeks and God just reaffirming, I am with you. David, in, as he's writing the psalm, he says, he said, one thing I ask of the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever, that I may gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and seek him in his holy temple. That is the heart posture that we should be in every single day. God, you're calling me to yourself. You want me, not just what I can do for you. You want me. God wants you. Don't miss that. God wants you. Some of us in this room, we just need to hear that. God is calling me to himself. And before he tells me where to go or what to do or what specifically he's calling me toward, he wants you. And sometimes you just need to sit there for a long season. 
probably longer than you think. A calling with. Dallas Willard said, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. Are you giving God your attention? Is your attention on the calling more than it is on Jesus? Is your attention more on God, where am I supposed to go, than it is on Jesus? Like if you, if you don't hear anything else, just God is calling you to himself. Don't be so in a rush to go and do I have to remind myself, don't be so in a rush to go and try to grab the next calling or say, you know, God, okay, what's next? What's next? What's next? He said, just me. Just chill, man. Just chill. Be with me. And in time, I will show you. And that's the third stage, calling two, which is probably the most difficult. We're so in a rush to get there. But honestly, guys, this is the most difficult one. Why? Because it requires faith. This one's a little bit harder to define because all of us are called to something a little bit more unique and specific based on our talents and abilities and it requires us to think about how has God crafted me and made me and we have to do Enneagram tests and all these tests and all these things and we have to try to figure out and we have to do a, like a life plan and all of these things. It, you know, like this is hard and we have spent money and resources and books and leadership conferences and on and on and on. And we're like, I'm, I, I'm going to, to, to. It's, you know, again, with me. And then I'll call you to. Don't jump the gun. In Hebrews 11, it's what we often call the hall of faith. The hall of faith, because the writer of Hebrews goes back through all of these people who have had faith, calling us to do the same. Have faith, have faith. It says this in, in verse one, faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot yet see. You can't yet see it, but we hope for it. There's evidence. It doesn't say blind faith. There's no such thing as blind faith. There's evidence. God is showing up, and he's revealing himself to you, and so you're not just taking a leap of faith, but it does require a step of faith. And then it says this in verse 6. I think you should just read Hebrews 11 this week. It's so good. It says, and it is impossible to please God without faith. Read, read that again. It is impossible to please God without faith. Because anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who, what? Sincerely seek him. So if you're seeking God, if, like David, you're saying, I just want to seek after you, this only that I seek, that I may encounter you, then God will reward you. And I think he rewards us when we begin to see how God has crafted us and we're beginning to live into the calling. That brings joy. It brings a lot of tension 
when you try to go do something, you feel called to do something that you're not qualified to do. It brings a lot of tension when you try to go and pave your own path when God has not blessed it. It creates a lot of tension and frustration when we say, I am called to do this when somebody else was supposed to be called to do that. He rewards us when we sincerely seek him. And then verse 8, it says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. And he went without knowing where he was going. Abraham went, he obeyed, not having seen. The only way to walk on water, we talked about Peter a couple weeks ago, the only way to walk on water is to keep your eyes on Jesus. You know, as soon as you start to drift, boom, he starts to sink. But we do have to get out of the boat. And that is also an act of faith. You see, sometimes we do get stuck into thinking, I'm here, I'm comfortable, and God's like, no, I need you to take a step. I need you to obey and go. And that's why Abraham was commended, not because he did everything perfectly, but because he went. When God said go, he went. Is God speaking to you? Is God calling you to go? And it may not be a physical place, it may just be a new reality a project that God has put inside your heart. It may be something that he has just said, like, I I need you. I've raised you up to do this thing. So go. Delayed obedience is disobedience. I'm telling you, my kids, if I tell them to clean their room and they're waiting till tomorrow, that's disobedience. In the same way, if God tells you to go and you just hang out and wait, that's disobedience. Don't wait. Step as you go. It's often as we go. There's no certainty about the details, but there is certainty that God will use you as you step out in faith and trust. Again, go back to, sometimes we need to go back to stage two. Be with God. Be with God. Then to stage three. Sometimes we need to go back to stage one, then stage two, stage three. But when God tells you to go, we have to go in obedience. (laughs) Mark Batterson said it this way, gratitude is thanking God after he does it. Faith is thanking God before he does it. See, we want the map. Tell me, God, the whole map, all of the destinations, everything from stage one to stage whatever, infinitum. And God says, no, 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 that's not how it works. That's not how it works. I'm going to give you a direction. I'm going to give you a vision. I'm going to ask you to step. I'm going to ask you to step. And then once you step, he's like, I'm going to ask you to step again. And once we step again, he said, I'm going to ask you to step again. And we don't like that because it's slow and it's painful and we're not in control and it gets uncomfortable. And he's like, I'm going to step again. I want you to step again. I want you to step again. The glass is shattered. How do you pick up the pieces? I'm just going to take a step, and then I'm going to take a step, because I can't see all the shards. If I take the leap, sometimes I get broken. I get bloody. We want the abs without the planks. We want the marathon without the training. We want the calling without the discomfort. We want the destination 
without the journey. It's easy to set an end date, but God's asking you to set a start date. What is God asking you to start today or tomorrow or the next day? Take a step. You know, I do believe it won't be beyond your competency, but it will be beyond our comfort. God's not going to suddenly have me jump up on stage and start leading worship with Joe and Lindsay because that wouldn't go good for anybody. (laughs) He's not going to call you beyond your competency. You have been trained up and gifted. You've been wired for something. Like, I'm sorry, but I'm not Michael Jordan. He's not going to call me to go play for the sons. That's not going to happen. But that's why this step is so hard because I have to think and develop and continue to grow and then God's gonna use me but it's gonna be probably outside of my comfort zone. Not probably, it will be outside of my comfort zone. So to recap, calling from, calling with, calling to. Now sometimes these happen all at once. You know, people, when they came up to Jesus, he says, I'll heal you. I'm going to call you from something. I'm going to heal you. But before he says, go and sin no more, he gazes into their eyes. Imagine looking into the eyes of Jesus after he has healed you. You see, Jesus heals, and then he gives him his presence. He's with them. And then he has to make a commitment. Go. Go in faith. Sin no more. Go in faith. I just can't get my mind around, like, Jesus looking at me. I've healed you. And the result of all of this is that we'll be a blessing. That's the promise of God's faithfulness, is that if we're doing these stages, as we're walking through them, then you will be a blessing. I will bless you. You'll be a blessing to others. But there's this haunting line in Hebrews eleven thirteen, and I debated whether or not to, to share this with us today, but here it is. So, all these people were still living by faith. This is Hebrews, the hall of faith. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. God's promise is not that you will get all of everything that you want. God's promise is that the world will be blessed by your obedience and trusting and having faith in him. And it may be your children, maybe your children's children, maybe something else. You may not be able to see the finished work that God started in you. That's faith. That doesn't mean we don't start. No, of course we go. If we want to be in the hall of faith, we have to walk. We have to take a step. We have to be in obedience. But we're not promised that everything will work out perfectly while we're alive on earth. That's just not part of the promise. And we abandon ship sometimes when we're not getting what we think the fruit should be of my faith and obedience and walking with him. 
I'm out. Because I thought I'd be there by now. I thought this would work out differently. I thought that this would be without pain or discomfort. I thought, you know, we should be arriving at the destination. And God's like, whoa, ho, 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 ho. Did Abraham get to see his promise? No, he died. He died before his inheritance was a blessing to all of us. We're going to end there. I'm just joking. (laughs) I just wanted to bring you down for a moment, you know, send you out. Here we go. I might die. And that was the encouragement that my pastor gave me today. Perfect. Uh, But there's a tension here, right? We're called to be in obedience and to trust and to walk with him. But you know what? We may not get everything that we think we deserve on the journey. That's, you're missing the point. God said go, now go. That is what a calling is. God said do, now obey. God said trust, and so we say okay, okay. So in a practical sense, what does this look like? Calling. Number one, give God a chance to speak. You know, if you're not hearing God, it might be that you need to rearrange your schedule or your soul in order to listen. And actually, let's just take your hands out right now. Put them in front of you like you're going to receive. Let's practice this just right now. Just put your hands in front of you. We're just going to take a moment, breathe deep. Holy Spirit, we receive you. We're listening. Your mind starts to wander, that's okay. Just bring it back to God. We're listening. Thank you, Jesus. I don't think we do that enough. I mean, that took like a minute. Give God a chance to speak. Create a rhythm and a habit of opening your hands to receive what he has for you. Number two, create reminders. You know, it's interesting, if you were to just read the story of Genesis and read Abraham, you might think his vocation is an altar builder. Every step along the way, he builds an altar. And an altar is something that he just stacks stones as a memory of God's faithfulness. We forget how God has showed up in the past frequently. We are extremely, if anything, you read the story of Genesis, you you quickly realize these people forgot. Like, whoa, they forgot again and again and again. Build reminders. Maybe it's just a card that you put on the mirror 
in your bathroom to remind you, like God showed up for me in the past and he will do it again. Maybe you need to put a picture in your house that every time you turn that corner, every time you see that picture, you're reminded God is faithful and he will do it again. Maybe it's something on your wrist. Maybe it's just a journal. I was just t- walking through my journal the other day with my wife, and I was just like reading journal entries from the pandemic. They were interesting. And I sometimes just open my journal, I go back through, and I underline the ways that God has been faithful to his promises. He will do it again. He will do it again. He will do it again. We don't build enough reminders. Maybe that's for you. You just need to take this journal or take a journal, have a companion journal if you need more space to write, and just start writing out your prayers and what you're asking God and this journey of calling that he has called you to. And number three, just take a step. Take a step. But here's the thing, and we're going to end with this. The band's going to come up in just a moment. Is the second piece of this, the first piece is calling. The second piece is commitment. That word commitment is often translated covenant. The closest thing we have in our modern language is, is our marriage vows. When we stand up in front of all of our friends and family, and we say, for better or worse? Like, can it get much worse? I've, like, God, how much worse can it get? And we, we make a, a vow to God that I'm going to commit to you. And a few chapters after God calls Abraham, God shows back up to Abraham, and Abraham's just filled with doubt. Like, it's not working. I still don't have a child. It's not working, God. And God says, I want you to go and bring me some animals. And it, in, in our modern language, it seems kind of barbaric, but at, at this stage of history, this is how you made commitments. And you took the animals and you cut them in half and you put one on each side of this, this pathway and you spilled out the blood in a way to say, if I don't honor my commitment, may it be to me as it is to these animals. So you would split the animals in half. He brought the, God said, bring me these animals. Cut them in half. Lay them out. We're going to make a covenant. We're going to make a commitment. But then Abraham got into, like, he got into a deep sleep. And he awoke to see a torch in a smoking pot, walking back and forth. And that was God saying, you know what, I know you're gonna fail. I've seen the failure of humanity already. I know you're gonna fail. But I'm gonna be on the hook for it. I'm gonna be on the hook for it. God makes up for what we lack. And that's the sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham is that I'm promising to be faithful to you. And if you need a reminder, build an altar, or better yet, how about a symbol? 
an eternal symbol of the cross, of the depths I'm willing to go, of the commitment I'm willing to make to you that no matter how far, no matter how off course you drift, you can always come to me. I am faithful. I love you. I'm willing to die for you. I'm willing to split me open, pour out my blood. Because even though you may not fulfill your end of the obligation, I will fulfill mine. That doesn't mean we don't make a commitment. That means we do make a commitment. That means we do, in faith, step out and say, God, I'm going to walk with you. Abraham went. So my question for you is, you know, what is God calling you from? Is he calling you to himself? Is he calling you to to do something? Are you willing to make that commitment and walk with him, knowing that if you fail, he's still there, he is faithful? As the band sings, we're just going to give an opportunity for you to respond. And maybe you just need to stand and hold out your hands like we practiced just a moment ago. I got I'm, I'm here. I want to receive. Maybe you need to receive communion. Communion is the symbol of the new covenant of God's body and blood, which was poured for you. You need to re-up that commitment today. God, starting today, I'm going to re-up my covenant with you. Maybe it's just to light a candle as a symbol of God's presence that you want to experience in your life this week. Maybe just sing out and praise to your Heavenly Father. Write a prayer. You can put it in the prayer wall. Respond how God has led you to respond. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the depths that you're willing to go to show us that you are pursuing us. You have a calling you've placed on our lives. You have a path that you want us to journey with you. Help us take a step of faith with you. God, some of the people in the room today, they, they need a calling from. They've been holding on to something. They just, I feel that. I just need to let go. God, give us strength in that pursuit. As we focus our attention on you today and every day, you are faithful, God. In your name we pray, amen.